Hey, remember last week we were talking about, uh, we talked about how the shepherds, um, you know, came and saw uh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, you know, just as the Lord had told them. And the scripture said that they went back a different way. And then we also looked at the wise men, you know, that came to see Jesus. And Herod said, you know, when you find him, come and, you know, tell me where he is so that I too can go and worship him. And uh, then the, the wise men were warned in a dream not to go back. They went back a different way. And so we talked about how significant that is for us, that I believe that as God brings us into this new year, he wants, to come in, wants us to come into it a different way. And so um, I'm going to share with you starting today a new series called Dreams to Destiny. And uh, it's a 10-part series based on uh, the life of Joseph uh, by uh, Robert Morse. And, uh, you know, I've been reading it, studying it, and man, I've just like been so taken by it that I just, uh, I, I really feel like it's good for us. We talk about coming into uh, the new year, and we talk about resolutions and things that we want to do in our life, things that we want to see different. But I want to just share with you, you know, and just tell you that, uh, this, like I said, based on the life of uh, Joseph from uh, Genesis, 30, starting at Genesis 37, about the next 10 chapters, uh, and, you know, as we, we look at this, I want to just share with you just right up front that I believe that just like Joseph, that God has, God has a dream and a destiny for each one of us. Everyone in this room, I believe that God has a dream and a destiny uh, for us. And a lot of times where we get kind of mi uh, mixed up in life and where we have this kind of collision is that sometimes our dream is different than what God's dream for us is. And we sort of have this clash, and, you know, we're kind of butting heads with God. Um, I just want you to know that when you butt heads with God, God will win. Um, so, so quit doing that. Let me give you an example of this, you know, that sometimes we get stuck. You may be, you know, how, let me just ask this question to guys uh, for just a moment. How many of you played uh, either uh, high school football or college football? And you're, say you're over 40 years old and you played college football or high school football. Raise your hands if you would, please. Okay, we got a couple of guys in here. You know, I just want to tell you, you know, quit expecting the Broncos or the Cowboys to call you. It's probably not going to happen if you're 40 years old. All right? And, you know, many times we hang on to these dreams. We, you know, like, you know, you may be married today and still thinking about, you know, that high school girl or that high school guy that you dated and you wish that it would have been, you know, her or him that you would have married, you know, you need to give up that dream. But I want to just tell you that, you know, that God has a dream for you. And as we look at the life of Joseph here, um, we're going to just kind of unpack this. And, and Joseph went through 10 tests. I mentioned this is a 10-week series. And he went through 10 character tests that I believe that each of us have to go to. And, you know, once in a while, we get, you know, kind of on this path that God has for our life, that God will give us a dream, and we get stuck in the dream. We're living the dream and not the destiny. And so I think a lot of this is going to be unpacked as we, uh, as we look at this story. We're going to pick up in um, Genesis chapter 37. If you don't have a copy of our outline this morning, sermon notes, just raise your hand, and somebody will bring you a copy. Just keep those hands up. And I see nobody, nobody back there. <laughs> All right, while they're passing those out, um, we're going to go ahead and start the story. Now listen to this. Jacob lived in the land where his father stayed. 
the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha. I don't know why we don't name our girls that anymore. I mean, those are some of the best names that have already been used up, Bilhah and Zilpha. His father's wives. Okay, now you remember that, uh, that Jacob uh, married. He went up to stay with his, uh, his uncle Laban, and there he worked seven years for, he thought he was working for Rachel, and he actually woke up with Leah. And then he worked another seven years for Rachel, and then uh, he worked another six years uh, for the flock. So he was there for about 20 years. And uh, each of these women, uh, Leah and Rachel, had uh, uh, servants, uh, women servants. And so this is where we get the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, Jacob had um, six sons with uh, Leah. He had two sons with Bilhah, two sons with Zilpha, and two sons with, uh, with Rachel. And Rachel died giving birth to the last son, Benjamin. It says, uh, his father's wives, and he brought, he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him a richly ornamented robe or a coat. Uh, and his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them. They hated him. And they could not speak a kind word to them. And Joseph had a dream. Now, we're going to get into this dream. And when you think about this, I want you to get the picture because Joseph, remember we said he was 17 years old. And his brothers that are out there tending the sheep are probably over 30, 35 years old. And so Joseph has this dream. And can you imagine this 17-year-old coming to these older men and sharing the dream with them? And it says that uh, in his dream, when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to the dream. Now, I, you know, as I think about this, I'm thinking, you know, Joseph didn't use a lot of wisdom in sharing this. But he says, listen to the dream I had. Uh, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright. And your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed, bowed down to it. And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him even the more because of the dream that he had. And then he, said, then he had another dream, and he told his brothers, listen, I had another dream, and I'm sure they're just like dying in anticipation. Oh, really? He had another dream. Great, tell us. What is this? And so he tells them the other dream. He says, I had another dream. This time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is the dream that you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Genesis 37, 1 to 11. As I mentioned before, I believe that God has a dream and a destiny for each one of us. Now, Joseph was 17 years old. And he didn't really enter into his destiny. He's got this dream. He's having this dream when he's 17 years old. But he didn't really enter into his destiny until he was 30. Look at Genesis 41, verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered into the service of Pharaoh, um, king of Egypt. And so there's that 13-year uh, difference. 13 years between the time that he was 17 years old and he had the dream 
and the 30 years when he 30 years old when he entered into Pharaoh's service. And, and so in that in that 13 year period, God was doing some work in Joseph's life. And I want to just tell you that I believe that when God gives you a dream, and remember the psalmist says that God will give us the desires of our heart. And so here comes the dream. And Joseph has got uh, 13 years. He's got 13 years where God is kind of like working through him and developing him. There's some character flaws in him, and one of them apparently is that Joseph uh, doesn't know how to control his tongue. Um, it's kind of like, you know, we'll read some scripture here in just a moment, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like Joseph, kind of like in your face. Hey, dudes, I, you know, you may be 31, you may be 35, I'm 17 years old, but I got the dream. God is using me. He's not using me, you. I am the favorite of my father and kind of like, I mean, you know, like digging it in. It's like, okay, enough of this guy. You know, I'm not listening to anything that he has to say. So, um, so how do you know what dream that God has for you? As I, as I mentioned, I believe that God has a dream and God has a destiny for you, but how is it that you know what God's dream is for your life? Well, one of the things, kind of like Nina had mentioned earlier, is that you've got to hear about God's voice. You've got to understand who God is and what God is saying. You've got to learn to listen to the Word of God. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Not one of the men who saw my glory and miraculous signs that I performed in Egypt and out in the desert who disobeyed me and tested me these ten times. Notice that kind of comes up. It's kind of common in Scripture. Ten times. Ten times uh, there's ten character tests that uh, Joseph is going through. Ten times the children of Israel tested, um, tested the Lord. But he says to them, not one of them who tested me these ten times, not one of them will ever see the land that I promised on oath to their forefathers. And then we see in Ephesians chapter 2, just thinking about this dream, I want us to get the whole picture here because as we move into this new year, I believe God wants to do something new and fresh and exciting in your lives. Now listen to Genesis uh, or Ephesians chapter 2. For we, talking about believers, men and women that, that are believers in, in Jesus, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And I would have you know that the Bible tells us that we were created in Christ Jesus to do these good works that God had prepared for us in advance or before the world even came into being, before there was a world, before there was a heaven, God thought about you, said, I'm going to create you, and I've got a plan and a purpose for you, and you're going to be my workmanship created to do good works. In Job chapter 19, Job is talking to these, these what we call the friends of Job. They almost sound like maybe more like enemies of Job, but he says to them, how long will you torment me and crush me with words? Ten times now you have reproached me, shamelessly you attack me. And there's that ten times again. Now, I want to just tell you that God's dream for your life is always bigger and better. God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream, and his destiny for your life is better than what you could ever dream that it would turn out to be. So, how do we get to know God's dream for our life? Well, in Numbers chapter 12, we read, and God's speaking, and he says, listen to my words. And that's important for us this morning, too, just to listen to the word of God. Listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. When I, with him, I speak face to face. 
And that's how God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you face to face. And so if you want to know what God's dream is for your life, you've got to know God. And he will reveal the dream and he will fulfill the dream. In Exodus chapter 33, it says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friends. And I know that many of you may be thinking, well, that's just Moses. He was a great man. He was called by God. I mean, sure, you know, God spoke to him face to face. But by the time we get to the New Testament, listen to what Jesus says. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. He says, instead, I've called you friends. So Jesus is saying, I'm calling you friends. Just like God called Moses a friend, Jesus is saying, I'm speaking to you and want to speak to you as a friend speaks to a friend. Now, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes we get messed up because our dreams clash with what God, God wants for us, you know, the, his, his dream and his destiny for us. And so one of the things that will stand in the way of you fulfilling God's call in your life or God's dream and destiny in your life the very first thing I believe that we have to deal with is, is pride. And we call this the pride test. Now notice this. It says that Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him even the more. And he said to them, listen to the dream I had. We were binding the sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he said, because of what he said the dream was and what his words were to them. Now, I, I don't think that Joseph was real, you know, used a lot of wisdom in, in, in just sharing this. Let me just give you a couple of examples of this, you know, that how, how we have to deal with pride. You, you all know the scripture. It's even, you know, verses and lyrics in a song that pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall from Proverbs 16. And then in Mark 7, it says, From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride. Notice that pride is just listed with murder and fornication and adulteries, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within a man, and those are the things that defile him. So, Number one, when God gives you a dream, you know, don't go bragging about it. Don't be, you know, I, I know people that come up to me, they'll come up to me and say, you know what my gift is? I, I got the gift of prophecy, and I feel like saying, yeah, I knew that, because I have it too. You know, uh, you know, it's like, you know, we want to flaunt these gifts that we have. Now, remember that the Bible tells us that the gifts that we have come from God. So if you've got a gift, you know, we don't want to boast in the gift that we have. We want to boast in the God who has given us the gift, right? But many times we lose sight of God, lose sight of his goodness, of what he's given us, and we just kind of live in the gift. I've got the gift of, you know, of whatever, tongues or prophecy or interpretation or, you know, uh, discernment, whatever it may be, and we have a tendency to want to boast in what God has given us. And that's kind of what Joseph was doing. He was kind of flaunting his gift before these men, before his brothers, and it caused them to despise him and to even hate him. So, number one, every one of us, you know, and, and let me just ask you this. How many of you have ever dealt with pride before in your life? Just, you know, raise your hand, okay? All right, I'll put your hands down. All right, how many of you have ever had to deal with pride a second time? You dealt with it the first time, and it's kind of like you're having to deal with it again. See, you know, one of the problems is that we deal with the fruit of, of pride, 
And, you know, we try to control our mouth. We say that we're going to control our mouth. We're going to be careful about what we say. But we don't really deal with the root of pride. We'll get to that in just a moment. Now, Genesis 37, it says, They hated him the more because of the dream and what he had said. The dream, the dream will lead you to God's destiny for your life. But if you begin to brag and begin to flaunt it, you will never reach God's destiny because God can't, God can't use you in that place. You know, if you're, if you're going to be boastful and proud and arrogant about the gift that God has given you and pride begins to rise up and uh, God is saying, you know what, we got to get that out of you. We got to deal with that before I can get you to this place where I really want to use you. Now, let me contrast what Joseph has done with um, just this Christmas story that we just read a couple of weeks ago, last couple of weeks. Luke chapter 2, talking about Mary, that his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. All of the things that the angel said, all of the things that the shepherds said, all of the things that the wise men said. You know, her and Joseph, she and Joseph didn't just walk through the streets of Jerusalem. We got the Messiah. We got the Messiah. You know, they didn't do that. I mean, it says that she treasured these things in her heart. And then again in Luke 2, 18... And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up those things and pondered them in her heart. Like, what could this mean? What does this mean? But Joseph didn't do that. It's kind of like Joseph just like out, you know, just like, hey, you know, I got God's calling on me. I got dreams. I got visions. What do you guys got? You got nothing. You got sheep. You know, you're out there tending sheep. My older brother's 35 years old. Look at you. You're still taking care of sheep. I got dreams, I got visions, God's going to use me. That doesn't go over real well. All right, so don't brag about your gift and your calling. You know, the Bible just says, be faithful. Like Mary, she pondered these things, she treasured these things up in her heart. Now, when we look at Joseph, we could think that, you know, maybe Joseph really did. Maybe Joseph failed the test. Maybe he failed the, prize te or the pride test. But I want to tell you that uh, God's not that way. God, I think, in some respects, is a golfer. You know, you guys know what a mulligan is? You know, you know what a mulligan is? What is it? A do-over. See, I think that God is a golfer at heart. Okay, you messed up. You screwed up. You know, you didn't fail the test. He said, you just get a chance to do it over again. All right? And so when we mess up, God doesn't put an F on the paper he puts a mulligan on the paper or a do-over. And so you get to try this test again. You get to go over it and over it and over again until you pass the test. And then you move on to the next, next test that God has. So we don't want to be, you know, we, we, we know that we're going to have pride. We've got to deal with it. We don't want to brag about our gifts. Um, and let me just share a couple of words with you about pride. Pride can never be silent. Pride always wants to be heard. Okay, it, it, it can't, uh, it, it never, it can never be silent. And pride, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, but pride many times will interrupt. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of interrupts an individual. Or as you're listening, the person with pride will interrupt. He'll try to finish the sentence because his opinion is greater, really, than your opinion. And so pride has to have a voice. And God's saying that we got to deal with this. And that's what Joseph was doing. He had a voice. He was, he was speaking. And it was out of this pride that he was having to deal with this. Now, 
I want you to notice that in this story, that his dream was not his destiny. And his purpose was not to get his brothers to bow down to him. That's not what God had given the dream for. It was not so that his brothers would come and bow down or his mother and father would come and bow down uh, before him. Really, the dream was about getting to a destiny where God was going to save a nation. Remember that when when Joseph moved into his destiny at 30 years old, um, God used him as second in command. He was the second greatest leader in the most powerful nation in the world at that time was Egypt. He was second to Pharaoh. And, uh, and, and so, you know, his, his destiny was to save mankind. You know, he comes up with this idea, this vision from God, this dream from God, and it's all starting to unfold that, you know, start, there's going to be sp- uh, seven good years because it's going to be seven bad years. You know, uh, create these storage uh, uh, areas for wheat and grain, and, and let's store up, let's get ready for these bad years. And so, you know, his destiny was not to have his brothers down, bow down before him, but his destiny was really to save hundreds and thousands and maybe even millions of people. That's what God had called him to do, and that's what the dream was all about. But he couldn't see it. He couldn't see the end from what that point where he was. And sometimes we can't either. We can't see the end from where we are. What's this going to look like? You know, you know, God calls uh, uh, David to be king. He sends the prophet to anoint him with oil. But it was many, many years later before David actually inherited the throne. You know, there was a, there was a time in the wilderness that God, like Joseph, was uh, dealing with David. And there was some flaws in David's life that God had to deal with and get out. Just like God is dealing with us today. And you know what? We can get frustrated and we can just say, God, you know, enough. I quit. I don't care about the dream. I don't care about the destiny. And, you know, God is not going to give up on you. The Bible says that he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He's not going to stop. You may stop. You may quit. You may throw up your hands and you may try to run away. Oh, God is good at the chase. I want to tell you, he will run you down. He will run you down. That scripture that Nina was uh, quoting this morning out of Deuteronomy 28, he will run you down with blessings. But I tell you what, if you're running from him, gosh, it seems like he's always faster and he never gets tired. He will catch you and he will bring you back. And he will work his work in your heart and in your life and give you these dreams um, that, and also grant you this destiny that will fulfill his good will and his good pleasure in your life. The third thing that we need to look at this morning, and the last thing, as our worship team is coming back up, um, that God wants us to deal with this root of pride. Now, you know, we'll be tested with pride. We'll go through this pride test. And after this pride test, then we, we go through this, uh, after God gives us the dream, then we go through the the, the bragging stages of this, and God's saying, I don't want you to brag. I don't want you to, you know, be boastful. If you're going to boast, boast in me. So how do we deal with uh, pride? As I mentioned earlier, many times that we deal with the, um, with the fruit of pride instead of dealing with the, uh, with the root of pride. And so the, I, I'm going to tell you that when we have pride in our life, when you have pride uh, in your heart, you have insecurity in your soul. That's why we're always talking. That's why we're always boasting that if others aren't going to pump us up, we have to pump ourselves up. We have to boast in ourselves. And so 
uh, we go from these challenges, we go from challenge to challenge, and, and you may, you know, that's why, you know, when I ask the question, how many of you have dealt with pride and how many of you had to deal with it again, it's because every new challenge that you face in life, you're faced with insecurities of this challenge, new position, new places, in, maybe in school or in work, job positions, relationships, you know, it, with each new position and with each new challenge comes, you know, these uh, these challenges bring on these insecurities in our life, and, and we can't rely on ourselves. You know, sometimes we'll get to the place, and, you know, we start thinking, you know, I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at this, and, and pretty soon we start thinking, you know what, I don't really need God as much now as I did in the beginning. God, I think I can handle it on my own. I, I, I think I've got it now. And so then we start relying on ourselves, and this is where pride has a way of coming back into our life. And so we need to deal with... Uh, insecurities is if you we have insecurity in our in our soul uh, we have pride in our heart now listen just a couple of more scriptures we're going to wrap this up now you know i just pray that god's holy spirit is speaking to you this morning because i know that it's god's heart for you to walk in his dream and to walk in his destiny and uh you will never have real peace in your heart and in your life until you start doing that and we're going to have our prayer ministry team they'll be coming up in just a moment and if God is speaking to you about any area in your life, it doesn't necessarily have to be pride. It can be any area that you're struggling with in your life right now. Pride will keep you from going up, I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, no matter what your problem is, no matter what fault or struggles that you're having in life right now, pride will hold you, hold you back and say, you don't want other people to see that you have a problem. Uh, that's pride. And you just need to deal with it. And you have an opportunity this morning. But listen to this. When we talk about when, when God begins to bring us along, and, and we get comfortable in this new position, um, we start thinking, you know, I did this. I'm, you know, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, and I, I made the success of my life. We start, you know, kind of leaving God out of the picture. When you boast, you always boast in Christ. You always boast in what God has done in your life. Your testimony is what God has done in your life, what the Holy Spirit has done in your life. In John chapter 15, it says, If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, listen to this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, David, David had it. I mean, finally he got to a place in his life where he said at the end of his life, all that I am, all that we are, and all that we have comes from God's gracious hand. And see, we need to understand that all that we have and all that we are comes from God's mighty hand. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, now I'm going to just talk to you about just this pride thing for just a second. Now, listen to this. Uh, we're talking about the prophet Samuel. It says, And the Lord was with Samuel, and he grew up. And he let, speaking about God, he let none of his words, speaking about Samuel, fall to the ground. God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Now listen to this. All of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, that's like from top to bottom. That'd be like from Cuesta Anything north of Cuesta? Colorado, I guess. That'd be from Cuesta to El Paso or Las Cruces if we were talking about New Mexico. It says that all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of God. Now, Samuel knew that he was, that he was a prophet, but he didn't go around saying, hey, I'm a prophet of God, I'm a prophet of God. No, God, God made, made sure that Israel knew that he was a prophet of God. Look at the verse, uh, Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift makes room for him, 
and leads him before important people. Now, we see this in Joseph's life, which you'll pick up in a couple of weeks. Because after Joseph was thrown into prison, he starts interpreting dreams. Pharaoh has a dream. And it was this gift of interpretation of dreams that opened the door for him. The same is true for you today. That's not just a word for uh, Joseph or, or Samuel or David. It's a word for us today that God gives us gifts. And these gifts open up doors for us. Uh, and will lead us before important people. Gives us that, that, that opportunity to be a blessing to someone. You know, this uh, weekend, I've, Nina said, she told you that we've sold our house and we're in this incredible move. I mean, we are packing and moving. And yesterday, or Friday, I was, uh, I mean, it was late Friday. And I had a trailer full of, you know, just boxes and stuff that we were moving, building materials from the last project. And my phone rings and this lady's on the end. She's all bubbly. Hey, Pastor Ronald, you know, we're here in Santa Fe. We came here to get married, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have a magistrate do it, but, you know, we were looking for a pastor to, you know, pray a blessing over us and over our rings, and, and I just I told her the story. I said, lady, I said, you don't know what I'm going through right now. I said, and our house has been on the market forever, and we sold it. we got to be out, and, and I said, I'll try to find someone to, you know, do this for you, and uh, so I made a phone call or two, and of course, nobody's there. Everybody's out for the holiday. And uh, I started thinking, I felt like God's saying, you know what, if you're too busy to pray a blessing over someone, you're too busy. <laughs> and so uh, I called her back and said, hey, I'll do it. And so they showed up uh, yesterday and right here in the, in the foyer and, man, I tell you what, it's, it was just like one of the most beautiful things. She is just like totally in tears. You know, I mean, just weeping, just tears of joy, just so happy. And, I mean, they're such an incredible couple, came here from Austin. I told them only Texans would do this. Uh, and then shared with them that I used to be. <laughs> uh, but it was just so sweet. It was just so precious. It was a blessing to them. And, uh, you know, they're, they're really hoping that they can move to Santa Fe. Uh, but I, I just want to encourage you guys that don't uh, do like I did, kind of like Jesus talking about the, the Pharisees. Don't do as they say, or don't do as they do, but do as they say. Um, don't do as I tried to do. Try to get out of, you know, ministering to them. I just want to encourage you, when that door is open, when that door of opportunity is open, let God usher you in and let him use you and your gift uh, to bring honor and glory to his name.